This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com for another episode of the Prospect Podcast, and today myself and my esteemed guest, Matthew Collar of Purple Insider Podcast and PurpleInsider.com are going to continue our quarterback conversation series with the one quarterback who has risen from obscurity in this draft class, BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. And we're not going to continue this with the same template that we did with Mac Jones and Trey Lance and Justin Fields. Because Matt and I both really like Zach Wilson, and it is kind of the consensus that he is the second-best quarterback, and apparently to some people, maybe those making decisions in the NFL, the best quarterback prospect in this draft class. So to just heap praise on him for 45 minutes didn't really seem to make sense. Uh, I will read my scouting report and any 90s or early 2000s comparisons. Matt will always be welcome. But we are going to dive into this a different way and talk about how things might not work out for Zach Wilson. And we're going to narrow it down to one team, the New York Jets, which we just said uh, before we started recording, have a pretty long history of ruining young quarterbacks. So I guess, Matt, uh, I'll let you lead off. Like, What's the either general scenario or specific scenario, just from watching his game, knowing about the Jets, their personnel, their coaching staff, in which you could see this universally praised quarterback prospect kind of going down a bad path and ultimately not living up to the number two overall pick? Well, yeah, that's a difficult question to answer with the New York Jets because they are changing uh, their entire coaching staff, and it looks like they're going to try to run offensively some Kyle Shanahan-motivated type of stuff, that they're going to be one of those teams that runs a lot of the play actions bootlegs, which on this show I have uh, talked a lot about how quarterback-friendly those are, and those usually help even quarterbacks that struggle at times. Um, Ryan Tannehill is a good example of somebody who – When a lot was put on his plate in Miami, it was difficult for him, and it became simplified under Arthur Smith, and all of a sudden he's running play actions and boots and has a quarterback rating of 115 or something. And and I, I do think we see that through a lot of quarterbacks' careers, even someone like Kirk Cousins, where early in his career it was difficult for him, but then Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Uh, They get him into that system, and eventually he becomes a very good quarterback. So I like what is sort of the bones uh, of what they're going to be influenced by, but the experience from the offensive coordinator, the experience from the head coach is not a lot at doing those roles it's they're (laughs) taking a level up right um you know I I don't believe in curses Uh, I don't think that you know the New York Jets are completely incapable of finding a franchise quarterback it's probably just bad luck with Sam Darnold bad situation for Sam Darnold um 
you know, but I think that just in general, for every quarterback, there's always some questions, no matter who you are, no matter how great you were in college, of just how that transition is going to go and how the pressure is going to be and how you're going to be able to handle that. Going from BYU to New York City, I know that markets are probably overrated now because we're all more connected than we've ever been, but BYU, where you are a a local hero, you're basically a legend there, and then you go to New York where if it doesn't work out really fast, you're going to get abused pretty badly by that media, and there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered really quick. They're not patient there. And so like those things right away give you a little bit of – Okay, I'm not saying that they're going to make somebody go bust because a good quarterback can overcome that, but it's not the easiest situation in the world to step into. And then there's the other parts about just supporting cast that they have right now, playmakers, offensive line, running game. Like Those things need a lot of work for the New York Jets. Yeah, and really I think from your point, and then I'll get to uh, what I had in mind, just like the pressure of, you know, at BYU, yes, that's been a program that over the course of time has been a pretty good football program. But if BYU goes 6-6, six and six, yeah, maybe their boosters care a little bit and their fans are upset, but it's not a big deal. I think the you're in a pressure cooker in that media with the New York Post and the New York Daily News uh, and all the talk radio in that city, there's probably going to be, when he's picked, a lot of their games, maybe not right away, uh, but on prime time, there's going to be a lot of people paying attention to who the quarterback is from the Jets. So, so it's almost like BYU, anything above five or six wins for that program, that's great. And a, uh, a quarterback that played as well as Zach Wilson is, like you said, anointed immediately. In New York, you really have to prove it right from the get-go or they're going to be at your throats. For me, uh, it's all about pressure. Zach Wilson was pressured only 21.8% of the time at BYU. And I know it's funny that that's such a low number because we have talked about it a lot. If you hear anything or, or watch any draft analysts talk about Zach Wilson, they'll say how great he is creating and when things break down. Things didn't break down for him that often, that offensive line. And they did run a wide zone scheme there that's similar to the one that he's going to um, under Mike LaFleur in New York if the Jets pick him there. Um, You know, that offensive line was very good and did not allow a lot of uh, defensive players to create pressure on him. Sam Darnold this past season was pressured over 42% of the time (laughs) with the Jets. So we're talking about a potential, and certainly the personnel won't be the exact same because they have a lot of money to spend in free agency, a bunch of draft picks. But Sam Darnold, I think, saw that right out of the gate when he was in the NFL, that he did uh, have a problem throwing a lot of turnovers in that final year at USC, but the amount of pressure that you see, the frequency at which you're going to get pressured, and how quickly cornerbacks will close, that kind of ties into your point about going from BYU, not just Provo, Utah, but the Mountain West to the NFL, the speed when you see a blitzer, if you know where to go, the linebacker that is now sinking to cover that tight end that you're throwing hot to ran a four five at the combine. He's not someone that's going to be selling insurance. So I think everything about Zach Wilson that we love his ad-libbing and how good he is outside of structure, there are some times where I would say he quote-unquote overextends the play, where he kind of mm-hmm. tries to do a little bit too much. Uh, and I'll kind of throw out my, my early comparison that's not perfect. Uh, he's kind of 
who people wanted Johnny Manziel to be, but was <laughs> yeah. not. Yeah, I like but it. Johnny, that Johnny Manziel was this kind of slender-framed, smaller quarterback that could just do miraculous things in the SEC with his legs, um, and he was never the passer that Zach Wilson is today. But I still think that when that is a key component of your game, if you don't have um, a lot of experience, like you mentioned, dealing with a high amount of pressure, we talked about it with Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields, uh, that these quarterbacks from these, and certainly Mac Jones, then you are pressured more often. I think that could be early on. He gets a little bit of that young quarterback shell shock and is catching the shotgun snap and is thinking about where's the pressure going to come from, not where do I need to go with the football. So anything about Zach Wilson not turning out to be this quarterback that everyone loves, uh, to me, centers around pressure. And, yes, I think the location matters and, and changing scenes, but their GM, Joe Douglas, has a huge task in front of him to get the right supporting cast around him right away. Yeah, I agree with the pressure point, and this is always very difficult to tell from college to the NFL. I mean, if you play at Oklahoma, you've usually got four or five draft picks as your offensive lineman, and you you sit back there and sit back there and sit back there. This was my biggest concern about Kyler Murray, and maybe it's come to fruition a little bit, is just you have all sorts of time to make these decisions. And Brady Christensen is a very good offensive lineman that he had, um, who I think is going to be a draft pick and has a chance to be an NFL player. And, And so he's got this good offensive line. He's not being pressured very often and he can wait and wait to see if something develops. And then if it doesn't, he can move around, move around. There wasn't a lot of times where I saw him take the snap, go one, two, and throw, completion, big gains. Like a lot of it was, and not all of it, of course, but a lot of it was, all right, take the snap, look around, and eh, nothing's quite there. Let me move around here. Let me move around there. Exactly. Let, yeah, let me dodge a tackler. Let me fire it downfield 40 yards to somebody who's sort of come open eventually in their route because I've made all this time for them. Now, his time to throw by PFF is not egregious. Justin Fields' is actually egregious. Um, but it's more like 2.8. So it's not that is not ridiculous. And his arm talent – and I know you said, like, let's not compliment uh, Zach Wilson for 40 straight minutes, but his arm talent is ridiculous. I mean, the, the the lack of bad plays for me was really impressive because you think that somebody who's moving around all the time and making throws uh, off of a perfect platform and, th- and things like that um, or not on a perfect platform would have a lot of turnover-worthy plays, but he had one of the best rates in the country. I mean, that that's really, really impressive, but – in an NFL offense, you're often asked to execute the thing that your offensive coordinator is telling you to execute. So let me try like a different example here. If you're in the NBA, um, you are going to run a system that your coach has designed, that he has worked his entire life to design, and he is going to implement a game plan, and you better execute it most of the time. I mean, maybe if you're James Harden or something or LeBron, you can kind of do what you want. But almost everybody else. Uh, you're not playing street ball. You're not just the, the, the big kid on campus who can kind of do whatever they want. It's the same thing in the NFL where, yeah, there are some players like Patrick Mahomes who can probably get away with anything, but even he's going to hear about it from Andy Reid if he just goes off schedule or if he's not executing the offense exactly how he's asked to execute it. There were a few times, tell me if you saw this on his tape because I thought I, I felt like I did. I just thought he was kind of lazy about the easy ones. Like there were just somewhere you went like, 
that's that should have been a layup and you missed your layup. You made your half court shot, but you missed your layup. <laughs> the you've got to get the layups to be a, a good uh, NFL quarterback because a lot of the offenses are designed with layups put in as a big part of them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because when I first watched Zach Wilson, some of the short easy throws, I was like this guy does not have a good arm because he was just kind of like tossing it out there into the flat when a throw with a little bit more velocity or a little bit better ball placement could have led to his running back getting more yards after the catch. And then you saw him, you know, he can crank it up uh, down the seam or downfield. But I think to your point on, on some of the layups and getting a little lazy, that is certainly something that I saw on film as well. I wonder, too, if he's playing in this offense, and, and you having watched all of his film, too, uh, that I said it's a wide zone system there at BYU, a lot of play action. He's going to see that with the Jets, and that's why I think for more than you know a ton of other reasons, it's a great fit because Mike LaFleur was in San Francisco uh, with Kyle Shanahan. He's going to run that system that has a lot of play action, a lot of bootlegs, get him on the run. But we know that at the NFL level and certainly in college that that system is going to create a high completion percentage, high yards per attempt, it's just a very quarterback-friendly system, like you mentioned. He's going to play in that system in the NFL, so that's a good thing. But I wonder if there is ever a time where, um, you know, a team can take that away or, you know, they know that when they're playing the Jets and Zach Wilson that to not have their linebackers bite so much against play action um, up against the run because it's not a team with a great offensive line. They don't have a star running back. You know, let's just sink back where – he has to do something that is not, you know, play action, rolling out to his left, and then seeing one side of the field, no one's around him. Like, it's almost like the fit is good, but I'm a little concerned that he hasn't really done anything else, and we haven't seen him really produce outside of one season in terms of being a first-round pick. Um, So maybe that's like a little bit of a galaxy brain thing, like, oh, it's, it's too good of a fit. But I think that there's times where it's like you can't, necessarily just lean on an entire career of being this play action bootleg quarterback um, because we have seen a lot of those guys get boosted up that aren't technically really great quarterbacks in the first place. Yeah. I, well, I do think that it's a good system for a young quarterback because it offers you some easy throws, especially at the intermediate level. Like you said, when you're running these play actions and you have linebackers brought up to the line of scrimmage and you just have space to make those plays on the crossing routes. I think he can make those throws on the crossing routes and you brought up the ability to roll to his left and throw roll to his right and throw. I really do like that fit systematically for him. The the part of it that I wonder about is that system also requires sort of a part A and a part B to be great at. The part A is can you execute all those Jared Goffian things where you just run your play action, you roll out, you've got your crossing route, you hit the guy, and you go on with your life. But the other part is when you get to third down and long and the – play action is taken out of it and it's on you and those guys across from you are set up to rush uh, the passer and they're pinning their ears back and they're sending blitzes and there's protections. And, and that's the one thing that you just can't really know is how much uh, are you able to adjust to that, to that speed in which all that happens. And also what kind of guts do you have? Now I like this about him at BYU 
There are other guys who have looked pretty gutsy in college and then got to the NFL and not. So if we're talking about all the things that could potentially derail a career, there's a little bit of a more broad one that comes to mind for me. Like, of course, it's the the situation, the pressure. Um, you know, do they have the right coaches? Do they have the right system? Can they adapt with their new offensive coordinator? Because it's not just, hey, run a couple play actions, get some crossing routes and profit. It's like there's a there's a constant adaptation that goes on where even, you know, someone like Gary Kubiak, people said, was he adapting enough? And you, you saw Kevin Stefanski have a lot of luck with it. But it's not like this cure-all of you just push the play action button and then you win. Um, so there's that. But I like to think in, a, in the broad sense, Chris, of just the adjustment from BYU or even from Alabama or Georgia or wherever you're coming from to what you have to do on those third downs, those big situations, is so different. And if you aren't good at them, you probably fail. You become Nick Mullins. If you're not good at them, you're Nick Mullins. You're like, yeah, I mean, the guy can complete his crossing routes and his play actions and screens and everything, but he's not, like, going to stand in there and make big-time throws on third down. So – Wilson has the tools to do this, but whether he can actually do it and whether he can command an offense, command a complicated offense, adjust protections, all those things, those are just broad strokes of, I don't know the answer to that, and we never know the answer to that with somebody coming out. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at, that he he's not just going to be able to win on play action on every single drop back in the NFL. And for as much as it's a quarterback-friendly system, I mean, we just saw Aaron Rodgers win the MVP uh, in that type of system with Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. Uh, but in general, like, I think the Titans are happy with Ryan Tannehill. And, yes, last season they went to the AFC title game. I don't know if it was because of Ryan Tannehill. He did have a good season, but that was really about Derrick Henry that season um, and an opportunistic defense. Like, I just wonder if that system almost hinders a quarterback for a lot of the reasons that you pointed out that like the best way to operate that offense is to be Jared Goff. And when push comes to shove, uh, when you're in the playoffs, when the weather isn't great, when your offensive line is overmatched by a great defensive line or a really smart defensive coordinator, like because your quarterback has been insulated for so long in this system, you get Jared Goff. And it's so funny, like, how quickly things evolve and reputations change in the NFL. Like, Jared Goff in that 2016 draft class, like, his film at Cal was unbelievable. Like, there were a lot of people saying, outside of one game, I forgot what team, it was probably Utah. I feel like everyone has bad games, like, against that secondary. He had, like, a four or five interception game. Beyond that, people were saying, like, he's Aaron Rodgers-like. And I've seen the Aaron Rodgers comparison and get thrown around for Zach Wilson. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Jared Goff's like a stiff. Like he can't do anything besides run the offense. He has no ability. He can't make any big-time throws. We saw early in his career post-Jeff Fisher in that rookie season that Jared Goff could make some incredible throws at all levels of the field. So I think that's kind of what I was getting at, and you probably said it a little bit better than I did, that you know it's almost like a system that insulates the quarterback can get you to 10 or 11 wins, but if you're picking a quarterback number two overall, I think you obviously want to win the Super Bowl with that guy. One other point that I want to say to something off that you said uh, about the toughness, and that could seem like it's kind of like an old school football guy thing, like he's got to be tough. And it's like, what does that mean? But I think watching that Coastal Carolina game on ESPN or ESPN2, was like everyone watched it. It was like the only game on. They, they schedule it last minute. Great game. Two undefeated teams. 
that there was that thing like he threw the Hail Mary at the end of the half and then he got kind of beat up like he, he got like a, a sucker hit on him uh in that game they kind of roughed him up a little bit uh that was the third lowest completion percentage game from him uh of the season he had a pick and a touchdown he did run for the most yards of any game in his 2020 season in that outing against Coastal Carolina they ultimately lost that obviously doesn't matter but I think He's listed at 6'3", 210. I think that's a little courteous. That's being a little bit nice. Uh, he looks like – his shoulders look like they're about this far apart, and I'm about eight inches right here. Like, I, I don't think he has a, a very strapping frame at this point. I don't know if he's six foot three. So it wouldn't shock me if a lot of these defensive coordinators are like, hey, if you get a chance, even if you take a 15-yard penalty – hit him because he wasn't hit very often, you know, pressured only 21.8% of the time, you know, rough him up and see how he responds to pressure now. That is he worried about getting hit, about getting injured, or just doesn't like getting hit? Uh, That's another thing that I think will be huge because in that Coastal Carolina game in 2019 to start the season against Utah uh, was his worst game of the season. And he actually did play well in 2019. Utah roughed him up a little bit too. There was a bunch of NFL players on that defense. So that's like one other more general thing, I guess, uh, that it's hard to kind of put your finger on, like how tough is he? He seems like he's tough, but we know that, uh, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks that aren't Cam Newton or Andrew Luck size, you know, they can take a beating and it can kind of change their psyche once they get to the NFL. Right. Part of it is that that's the only game we have to draw on where he got his tail whooped by the other team. And I thought by the end of that game, he was still fighting as hard as he could. And that's Mm -hmm. what you want to see. Like, you don't have to win every single game for me to think you're going to be good. But, I mean, you got to be fighting till the end. If you see somebody who's getting whipped and then all of a sudden they're like, "Ah, I don't want any part of this in college – I mean, that's going to happen on a week-to-week basis in the NFL. That's another thing that you just can't really know. I do have a little bit of a concern about the frame. And, yes, smaller quarterbacks are succeeding in the NFL. That is true. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, these guys are shorter. Wilson's not super short, but he is kind of slight. Yeah, like, I mean, right, those guys are stocky. Like, Russell Wilson is is a thick guy for being as short as he is. He looks like he's a running back where yeah. Wilson doesn't quite have that. So you you do worry about it a bit. The, the, other, the thing is, for me, you just haven't seen a big sample of this guy having to really battle and really fight when the other team's defense is overmatching him. And when you look at the NFL quarterbacks, just go across the guys who are really good, it, you don't just have good toughness. It's not just like, oh, yeah, it's just average toughness. I mean, you have, even to use Matt Stafford as an example, and, and I think Matt Stafford gets a little overrated because of this, but at the end of the year, it's like this laundry list of injuries that Matt Stafford's been playing through. That guy's got a broken rib, and one of his arms fell off, and he's got this and this and this and this, and he earns the respect of his teammates in part through playing through it. But I mean, this is a league still, people can call it soft, but you get hit a ton, you get sacked a ton, you get down by 20 points all the time, a couple of times a year, even if you're a great quarterback. I mean, look at what Patrick Mahomes was dealing with in the Super Bowl, and I thought, as bad as the final score was, Patrick Mahomes fought like nobody has fought before when they're losing like that in the Super Bowl. 
And, uh, you know, his guys kept dropping passes and committing penalties and everything else. But that was a good example of, like, that will happen sometimes, where the other team just destroys your offensive line or has a better scheme than you or just more talent than you. And you have to find a way to overcome these things. And that's not to call Zach Wilson soft. It's only to say that we haven't seen it. And if you ask me from a reporter perspective, what usually throws off any prospect from being what we say they're going to be around draft time. It's usually, are they smart enough? Can they process it all quick enough? And are they tough enough? Because there's a lot of times guys get out there in training camp field and they look around and go, uh-oh, I'm not the biggest guy anymore. My arm talent isn't going to do it alone and so forth. And I am going to get you know my butt kicked over and over and over again in the NFL and I, and I can't handle that. You know, I mean, Josh Rosen's a good example. I'm not saying he's soft, but he's a good example of a guy who couldn't process it quick enough. And then it was just kind of over. It's like, well, couldn't process it quick enough, might not be tough enough, might not be a good enough leader. And that's just it for you. Yeah, just a reminder, this is not how we view Zach Wilson in general. We both love him. He's my number two overall prospect. Matt has been, I mean, it's funny. Like, I think one of the first podcasts we did, or maybe when I jumped on your podcast, we were like, oh, the Zach Wilson guy might go like yes, in the in yes. the first round. It maybe maybe Vikings at fourteen. Oh yeah, he'll probably be there. And then he just slowly crept up. This is just a devil devil's advocate podcast of like how things could go wrong. And I think everything that we just said about toughness is spot on. One other point uh, before I read my scouting report and then we get into uh, comparisons. The point that you brought up about getting down early and. The Jets have, I believe, the second most cap space in the NFL. They have two first-rounders, two second-rounders. They have a lot of draft capital. They're set up. They, they kind of had been rebuilding. They're set up to load up uh, their roster this season and presumably with Zach Wilson at number two to start. But I don't think anyone at this stage, even if we're talking about post-free agency after they sign, maybe they sign Allen Robinson or whatever, thinks that the Jets are going to all of a sudden be like Super Bowl contenders right away. Right. He is going to be in games, like you mentioned, where the first quarter is going to end and he is going to be down 21 to nothing. And I think what you said about being tough, it's easy to say, oh, like physically tough. I think mentally tough is kind of this is, is one in the same when you're an NFL quarterback. And to not only get – to not let yourself get down by being 21 – to nothing in the hole, but to not force things too much. Being a guy in Buffalo, I used to always say that, like, the Bills, when they had Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback, like, yes, he did lead some comebacks, but in general, like, the Bills were so bad on defense during that era for the most part when Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback that it would be, like, 28-7, to and then Fitzpatrick was just, like, totally just, like, I don't care anymore, like, hero ball all over the place more interceptions, maybe some touchdowns too, but there were a lot of like three touchdown, three interception games from Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick. And I'm a little bit concerned that if the Jets uh, don't really significantly upgrade their roster and are still kind of a, a, a bottom of the league team, that Zach Wilson, because of his arm talent, because of how good he is improvising, like you said earlier, you know, might try to take some things off structure that shouldn't, or just like say, man, we're down 17 nothing already. I'm going to try to fit this ball in and show off my arm talent. Oh, intercepted. And then we're into a bigger hole. And that what that can do to a quarterback psyche 
especially one who's coming into the league, is kind of a gunslinger that can make any throw, and he certainly trusts his arm, and, and justifiably so. So I think it's so much about, you know, build, obviously building a good offensive line and good receivers around a quarterback that obviously would help any quarterback. But, like, it helps when your team is really good and you're competitive where a quarterback can kind of pick and choose when he wants to be aggressive, not having the feeling that he needs to be aggressive early on in his career on, like, every single throw. That's Yeah, that's a good point. And just to circle back, uh, I like a lot of things about Zach Wilson. So I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, got to keep that on the record. Uh, yeah, I'm playing along here. And, uh, I mean, look, I, I've seen a lot of players – We've all seen a lot of players who we thought were going to be really good coming out of college who wowed us, and then they got in the NFL field, and you just went, oh. Uh, this happens to teams. I, I asked the Vikings general manager a few years ago, or maybe it was uh, Mike Zimmer, about like when you have a sense for if somebody's going to fit in, like how long that takes. And they were like, first day of putting pads on in training camp, usually. I mean, we, they, we can usually tell pretty fast once the pads come on, is this guy – fast enough does he play fast enough does he process fast enough is he tough enough can he handle I actually now I remember Mike Zimmer said maybe like the three weeks in so you've been practicing in 90 degree heat over and over and over again with a bunch of guys who are beating you up trying to win a job every day are you continuing to compete at that level and one thing I like about Wilson is just the perception of him that I have from watching him is that the guy wants to be a baller like he wants to you know be making plays and he wants to do everything he possibly can. Um, But there is a little like, Oh yeah, I'm going to wear the headband. I'm going to be kind of cool and everything else. It's like, you're not going to be cool for very long because you're going to have to take over a team that a lot of people's careers and lives are resting on your shoulders and that type of pressure. um, That's, that's a lot. And so you have all these different things. And so when you start adding them up, you're like, Man, how does anybody make it? And isn't that the truth, though? Like, isn't that the truth that how does anybody ever make it as a quarterback in the NFL? And out of the five guys that are going to get drafted in the first round, two of them will be busts. I just don't know which two. I mean, yeah. if if someone came to you and said, hey, Mac Jones, you guys don't love him, but he's the one that's going to the Hall of Fame, you'd be like, well, that's the league for you, right? So I, I, I just think it's fascinating to look at and to talk about with quarterbacks specifically why they succeed why they fail, and also how about this? How long should you give someone for like Zach Wilson who does not have the experience of playing in the SEC um, to be able to develop when it isn't the great greatest situation that he's going to be coming in? Because I think we've seen this before where teams are impatient with guys and they try to push them along, ask too much of them, and then they point the finger at that guy when it doesn't work out and say it's your fault. And Sam Darnold might relate to that himself. Though I think Wilson's a much better prospect. But I mean that's that's another thing that happens all the time. They say you're you're the guy, you're the one that's supposed to be, you were the number two over all those sorts of things. And it you know, it's just not an easy thing to handle. Yeah, I mean Sam Darnold, the Jets traded three second round picks to move up from six to number three overall in that crazy hype quarterback class and things fell apart quick. And I think if the Dolphins uh, start off and they're not well above 500 in the first half of the season, you will certainly, we'll all hear it about Tua Tonga Bailoa. He's a bust, trade him, the trade deadline's coming up, and it can change that quick. It was tanked for Tua for like two seasons there in Miami. So I definitely think to that point uh, is spot on. And that one last thing that I'll kind of jump out of being the devil's advocate for a second Brought up the Coastal Carolina game, not a, an amazing performance from him, kind of in the spotlight against this other good team. 
he did thread that needle right at like the gun and it was almost like uh a Titans Rams Super Bowl finish where like his wide receiver got tackled at like the one mm-hmm. inch line. Yep. That could have been like this marquee, almost like a Heisman moment for him. He made the throw. It was it needed to be tight window. It was like four verticals. They had all of their defensive backs like lined up on the goal line, still fitted in. So yeah, I do think he has the toughness. Uh, but yeah, I think teams are going to kind of try to target him a little bit, give him a few extra shoves um, when they can. Now let me get to my scouting report, and then we'll go into comparisons. Here's what I have written for Zach Wilson. Uh, quickest release in the class, and it's lightning quick. The ball really jumps out of his hands. Above average arm strength and athleticism. He doesn't wow consistently in either area, but better than your typical starter in each. And that kind of speaks to the point that I said earlier. Early on watching him, some of those layup throws kind of was a little lazy. Uh, Can make a defender or two miss in space as a runner. He's a natural athlete who can and will throw from any platform. He shows the ability to move through progressions, but not fully polished in that area yet. He seems to process somewhat quickly. His accuracy is great, especially deep. At times can get a little antsy in the pocket and leaves early, but despite his playmaking prowess, he's mostly patient when he's kept clean. At times, his big play mentality can lead to some difficult tight window throws that get knocked away, but many times he fits them in. So it's And and that was one of the earliest quarterback uh, scouting reports that I did, and it's like I'm glad I did it early so I wasn't having any bias seep in of like the hype of Zach Wilson, and I'm not touching it. I'm leaving my grade where it is. He's still my number two overall prospect in this draft class. I agree. Uh, One thing you mentioned about his athleticism I think is worth bringing up, though. Um, Joe Burrow looked pretty darn athletic when he was playing at LSU. Went to the NFL? Nope. Nope, Not really. Not really. I mean, if you want to be athletic at the NFL in the quarterback position, you better be like Cam Newton. I mean, it it has to be that level of athleticism. You have to be way, way, way above average in college. You can't just be, oh, look, you know, he uses his legs sometimes. Now, I I like the playmaking. I like the throwing off platform. You're right about his release. It's lightning quick. He doesn't need to bring the ball down very far to get a ton of velocity on it. Super impressive. But that's just another thing that we didn't mention as we were telling him how his career is going to go wrong, that when guys rely on moving around a lot, and they think, oh, well, I just escaped these guys at that level. At this level, the defensive ends run a 4-4 or 4-5, the outside linebackers. I mean, you will not escape them. So you have to get rid of the ball. Um, you can move around pocket presence, but you're not going to run away from them unless you are Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson and you're an elite athlete. So I've been trying to work on the comparison here. I've got a few. I'm okay. not I'm you're not great at these. Yeah, I'm not in love with them. How about like a cool Jay Cutler? Like a guy who is not really a guy who actually who, <laughs> yeah. who cares a little bit more than Jay Cutler about being a <laughs> yes. good quarterback? Yes. That's, That's a good one. That's good. Um, arm talent through the roof, above yep. average athlete, but not freakish athlete, little escapability. Um, and I also think that Jay Cutler, when it came to some of the easy details, was kind of like, a little lax on those. The other one that I came up with, and this guy was not a good athlete really at all, but he had playmaking, and that was Tony Romo. Escapability, pocket presence, creativity. This is where I would say I like him with Tony Romo. Creativity is what um, Romo had a lot of, and accuracy, 
were his two biggest things. And I think that Zach Wilson has those two. Those are good. Uh, I wish we could have got like a 90s one, but I, I like Jay Cutler. And it's important to bring up with Jay it. Cutler. What's important to – I'm sure you'll have a great one in about 30 seconds. Uh, that when you bring up Jay Cutler, it's always – especially when you do a throwback comparison like that, you have to like – it's relative to what the athlete was at the quarterback spot in like 2006 when Jay Cutler was drafted. Like at the time, I remember when he was picked out of uh, Vanderbilt that it was like the arm talent is through the roof, and he's a he's a really good athlete. I mean, he didn't run a ton in the NFL, and I think – uh, what you brought up about Joe Burrow, it was like, oh, Joe Burrow is just going to be this improvisational master in the NFL. And, I mean, yes, the offensive line was bad in Cincinnati, but he didn't look quite as quick, and he was not reversing his field four times. And what's crazy is, like, it was so uh, – it, it demonstrated the difference between, like, facing even, like, Georgia's defense or Alabama's defense and then like a crappy defense at the NFL level like Joe Burrow was not doing what he did to those defenses in terms of his ad-libbing ability when he was on the Cincinnati Bengals last season mine's kind of boring I can't I mean there's not really a, a quarterback of the last 20 years who's like exactly like him because of the athleticism um, I just think he's a more athletic Baker Mayfield and to some people you could say, man, if Baker Mayfield was more athletic, he would be like the best quarterback in the NFL. There's still sure. so many people that that love Baker Mayfield as a prospect um, and have seen over his first three seasons that his the fact that he's a little bit slow in his feet is probably his biggest detriment as a quarterback. I think the accuracy, uh, kind of a wide-open system in college for both of them, very good deep ball touch. Uh, can certainly zing it through a tight window when he needs to, has like a surprisingly good arm for being a smaller quarterback. So I think take Baker Mayfield with the accuracy that PFF and a lot of analysts loves and crank up his athleticism a little bit. I think in college, Baker Mayfield uh, was pretty creative and, and can do some stuff as a playmaker, but then we saw again, to your point, it's about 80% of your uh, scrambling ability kind of gets sucked out of you once you go to the NFL. Right. So a more athletic Baker Mayfield is kind of where I, I think I'm going to settle with Zach Wilson. Okay, I've got one. It's not quite to the 90s, but I think I like it. I'm excited. Jeff Garcia. Oh, yeah. that stylistically. Like yeah. St- see, so people that – like Jets fans listening or someone anyone that loves Zach Wilson – We'll think, hey, that's that's not good enough. I mean, Jeff Garcia, but I think stylistically, man. Yeah, stylistically, he was kind of a gunslinger, and definitely late '90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. he was probably what a top five quarterback in the NFL in terms of his athletic prowess. Like he was running around when quarterbacks were not running around. That is a very good one. Yeah, he could move, but he wasn't like a running quarterback where he was uh-huh. going to gain, you know, whatever, 700 yards a season on the ground. I'd be, I, I've got a stat page here up. I wonder how much he did run. Um, but I mean, no, you know what? He, yeah, he did run quite a bit. 400 yards in one season, 350 in another season. He ran for 26 career touchdowns. So yeah, you're right. He, I, that's what I was thinking is like not elite athleticism, but accuracy, a playmaking ability to him, kind of a gutsiness to him. Um, and really the accuracy. And if he's got a, a team around him, I think he could be great. And, uh, Jeff Garcia was great when that happened. He had a couple of seasons there where he's unbelievable and then one at the end of his career. Obviously, 
see they're going to take very different paths. Same with Tony Romo. He's going to take a very different Undrafted. path yeah. to those guys. Um, but he almost has this feeling of like we found one. We found a guy who should have been, uh, you know, an under – appreciated overlooked type mm-hmm. of guy who randomly developed and shocked us. And he just developed one year early with his arm talent and how he plays the game at BYU. That was, you know, I mean, that's another thing about his game is that it is a small sample of greatness from him. So that'll be interesting to see how it translates, but yeah, I like it. I'm going to go with Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia is it's way better than my more athletic Baker Mayfield for sure. I got to ask you one more question, Matt, before we uh, wrap this episode up. What you said at the end there, and this is like really like if we're saying if you're going to try to just quantify toughness, that that's kind of like an old school football guy thing that's impossible. How do you really feel? Because I've kind of been thinking about this, too, and I try to just like grade on film and like, you know, what the measurables say at, at the combine or the pro day, whatever about what you brought up just briefly, like the fact that he's wearing like the Jordan headband and he says like play anywhere, anytime, and that he seems like he's got like swag, but is it like overconfidence? But do you want your quarterback to be confident? I can't like, I'm definitely not going to like pin it to my evaluation of him and be sure like without ever meeting Zach Wilson or uh, really talking to anyone that I trust that has, met him and knows him very closely, but it's just one little thing that I've been thinking about that like, he's kind of this kind of little Johnny Manziel like, and I think a lot of Johnny Manziel's undoing was the fact that he didn't care once he got to the NFL and like he never read the playbook. But how do you feel about Zach Wilson's kind of not diva status, but the fact that he, you know, carries himself with that kind of swagger. That's very apparent. Well, I like any homages to Jim McMahon. I mean, that's uh, you know a comparison that you could make also with him if you wanted to. I mm-hmm. thought it was too obvious the BYU and BYU, but I mean the uh, classic I mean, to, to wear the headband. I think it's a it's gutsy to wear the headband at BYU when you know one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play at BYU, Jim McMahon, wore the headband. It's kind of a cool homage, but also like you better. You better do it. It's like if you show up to a concert and you're a guitar player and you're playing Eddie Van Halen's guitar, like you better bring it, right? Mm-hmm. And he did. Uh, he definitely did. You know, there are things about quarterbacks that I would say, like, I'll, I'll just put it the way that NFL people might put it. It's like, are you a jackass it is a thing that they would be asking. And with Baker Mayfield, there were times where I thought, I think this guy might be a jackass. And that Me was too. my that was my biggest concern. You looked at the numbers, the accuracy, the arm strength that he had it all, but like yeah, are you really planting a flag in the other team's, you know, field? Like like if you do this stuff in the NFL, it's going to become a massive distraction. And guess what? He kind of did for his first couple of seasons until Kevin Stefanski got there and kind of calmed everything down, and he's grown into it also. And that's another thing, too, is that your guy, Jim Kelly there, I mean, he was a mess Mm -hmm. early in his career. And he had already played pro ball, and he came to the NFL and called out offensive linemen and things like that, and it took him a long time uh, and probably a few whoopings in the locker room until he – you know, sort of figured those things out. That that one's tough. I'll tell you it can undo a guy, but I can't tell – from college whether that's going to work out or not because the environment's so much different big man on campus to now you're responsible for grown men's careers and I mean that's just a that's a whole different thing but I don't see immaturity from him I don't see I see swagger but I do not see immaturity maybe there's a little like Philip Riversy kind of deal 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, a lot of the stuff, like Baker Mayfield, like with the arrests before, whatever, that his second-to-last season in Oklahoma, grabbing his crotch at some Kansas player, whatever that was, we didn't really see that from Zach Wilson. I think his, like, appearance on the field, like wearing the Jordan headband and the, you know, homage to Jim McMahon, like that I think is okay. But I do think the the point that you said that it could be his undoing, that if he shows up, in the Jets facility like he's already in the Hall of Fame and he doesn't play particularly well right away, then he'll lose the locker room quickly. But I think he really does have all the skills and all the traits to come in, have a lot of confidence, which I'm sure the coaches would rather their quarterback be confident than completely not confident. Right. Um, right. And then and play well as a rookie, so then that would really create – a good storyline that, that I think some of the 32-year-old veterans would say, hey, this guy's fun. He wants to have a good time. Kind of like he's like the Philip Rivers thing. Like Philip Rivers is a has always been like a, a very fiery uh, competitor, and I'm pretty sure he was probably like that in San Diego early in his career with the Chargers. So, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a perfect answer. I think it's a slight bit concerning because there will be some veterans that will come into the locker room and be like, uh, is this guy really like? Should he be really carrying himself like that initially? But I, I again, I, I would rather have a quarterback uh, be confident, and I do think Zach Wilson has the tools. Um, one last point that I will say, and, and I didn't really dive into it because I think it's kind of pointless before free agency in the draft. The Jets do need to do a lot with their team, like their offensive line. Besides Mackay Becton, uh, needs a lot of work. They have Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perriman's a free agent. They don't really have much else. The defense needs work. So I, I think that will be very key as well. All right, that'll do it uh, for this quarterback conversation series episode on BYU Zach Wilson. Uh, the last one in this series, Trevor Lawrence, we're going to do the same thing to him and run him through the gamut of how could things go wrong for such an anointed quarterback. For Matthew Collar, I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.